This is Take Note, a podcast about paying attention and keeping a notebook. I'm Adam. I'm here with my buddy Ted. Hello, Adam. Ted, what is the most expensive thing you shoplifted? <laughs> oh, I think it was 1991. I want to say it was a pack of bubble yum bubble gum or whatever the ones that were the rectangles that came in a little rectangular packaging whatever that was so you were you were shoplifting rectangular items yeah it was exclusively in uh, inexpensive rectangular items mostly okay i know you like chewing you know chewing gum uh individual legos i was um i was uh I'm happy you mentioned like something happened tonight, uh, but uh, <laughs> I I I was uh, New York Times. I probably told you. I think I maybe said this on the show before. I would tuck the New York Times into the Boston Globe because as a journalism major, <laughs> I was required to purchase both. <laughs> also, once you folded them rectangular. Oh yeah, rect- either way, folded or unfolded, <laughs> they're still rectangles. Uh, what do you what are you written down in your notebook lately, Adam? What do you got? All right. I got this. I wrote it down tonight. At curriculum night, in a seat for a second grader, I listen to the teacher mention the kids' iPads, and I tell myself not to ask the question. She (laughs) mentions the tablets again. Then she takes questions, and in answering one of the questions, mentions the books that the kids can read on the tablets. Then she asks for more questions, and I ask myself, can I ask this neutrally? but I don't think it comes out neutral. Um, how uh, how often are the kids on iPads? I get every possible answer from the teacher. First, she says, only seven minutes in the last five days, but also three times per day. Uh, she told all the parents about a reading app that all the kids love. The only problem is that kids can't use the app after 3 p.m. unless parents get a paid subscription. I feel vindicated. But I still know that I am the asshole. Seven seven minutes is a brassy claim. Yeah. Has anyone ever spent l- less than seven minutes on an iPad at, at one stretch? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah. I was really proud of myself. I mean, you it was really never... nailed. Really nailed her to the wall. Nice work. I don't. Oh God, you're really getting me because I felt bad. Uh, I wasn't really trying to trying to nail her. It's just that what you just start thinking like, I wonder if if there are rules. Like, does this? Do, are the teachers given any parameters as to how often the kids can use the iPads, or do we? Hmm. Yeah. I just. I wanted, think if you're going to ask that question, you yeah. have to preface. You have to preface that question with how many minutes you you allowed your child to use an iPad the day before. Yes. Hello, uh, Adam Webb. Uh, 71 minutes uh how often are the yeah i was i was happy you know i was happy that i didn't um start saying you know marshall McLuhan says the medium is the message that's what my dad always tells me um when they're using ipads to read they're not learning to read they're learning to use ipads uh i don't know if we all listened to uh the Ezra Klein show episode about this a couple weeks ago, but I mean, this is curriculum night. This is what we're here to talk about, right? I mean, for all of us who have seen Jordan Peele's new film, Nope, I think we understand the power of the, the human gaze and 
you know, when it's mediated through through cameras and screens. I mean, I agree with you without having seen the movie yet. I, you you asked me if I've seen Nope. I said Nope. That's that's the only possible response for someone who has not seen Nope. You would have been disappointed if I said not yet. What do you got, Ted? Well, as a matter of fact, uh, I saw the movie Nope. <laughs> nope. Last night. Um, went to the movie theater with my wife. It was fantastic. Kids were at an Astros game. Um, we uh, so you just went drop them off parked. the Astros game. You go to the movie and then they meet yeah. you at the gate at the end. Yeah, they got, you know, it's a baseball game. You watch some baseball get picked up at the stadium at the end of it. That's how it goes. Find free parking. That was fantastic. Playing with house money at that point. Uh, had a couple gift cards from Aunt Rhonda. Thanks, Aunt Rhonda. Free date night. Rocking and rolling. Uh, these days when you go to a movie theater, this was a weeknight after all, um, expected... You know, expected basically to see nobody. You don't even have to interact with a human anymore to buy your tickets. You walk in, you type it into a an iPad, and uh, it how many minutes do you spend it on that iPad? Yeah, no, good question. And uh, so we do that. Walk in, round the corner, basically expecting to stride up to the popcorn counter like absolute royalty. Uh, crowded lobby. Uh, it was uh, the entire houston baptist university football team was in the theater with was in the uh was in the lobby with us which was uh, it was actually were they seeing marcel the shell <laughs> so it turned out i forgot to mention when we typed in our uh uh you know purchasing our tickets for for nope it said there are two tickets available on the front row to the right, and we're I'm thinking there is not a soul around us. What is going on here? Well, the entire Houston Baptist University football team was uh, was in the theater watching Nope with us, <laughs> which was I have to say an unmitigated delight. It made the experience of watching the movie a thousand percent better. The scary scenes, the jump scares, and all that was like the whole place went nuts. They were cracking jokes the whole time. Uh, it was just good vibes. It was so fun. Um, so if you're going to see Nope, I recommend doing it with a with a complete football team <laughs> in the theater with you. That's my recommendation. I really do want to see it. When you asked me this morning if I'd seen it, I thought like maybe I could sneak out to a matinee right right before the pandemic. I caused the pandemic by encouraging people to uh take long lunches on our blog yeah take i remember blog, that encouraging people to take long lunches and go to the movies and then after i wrote that blog post so went to movies willie nelson years. got covid because you couldn't put a full day's work in is what you're telling me that's exactly that's exactly right covid yep. in 2022 i should mention yep it was all part of my long long con long game long <laughs> long game to take over willie nelson's spot in the cultural zeitgeist that's right so step one start podcast start podcast step two start ancillary blog <laughs> step three remember ancillary blog <laughs> <laughs> step four pandemic time yep yep ted there are some new field notes they're not readily available uh they're the salt shed field notes i i sent you a picture right before we started 
podcasting, I'm always afraid to switch off my video recorder and look at the picture, but I'm going to do it anyway. Yep, still recording. Uh, so the Field Notes partnered with Salt Shed, this new uh, concert venue in Chicago, and I don't know how you get them. I bet if maybe if you go to a concert there, you could buy some, uh, but I don't know that. I know they gave them to the first people through the gate um, at two of the early shows. So the venue opened this summer, Mostly, you know, they're cool. People should look them up and uh, maybe we'll link to the Field Notes tweet. The only place you can find information about them is a single tweet from Field Notes. Um, huh. they're, they're neat. It's an old picture. Uh, so it's like a, it's a blue notebook with like a silver image of an old photo of a man inside a salt shed. Um, the venue... It's pretty on the nose. Yeah. The venue is at the old... Morton Salt Salt Shed in downtown Chicago, right on the river. Uh, the commuter trains go right by it. Um, and, you know, I think, I'm geez, I mean, I don't think I'm misremembering, like, the little, the image of the girl with an umbrella and salt pouring down on yeah. her, like, iconic. Um, is that Morton Salt? I wonder if I'm confusing my salt brands. Yeah. This is not the first time we've talked about a salt shed on the show. No, actually, that's, you're thinking of Salty Girl. Is the salty girl? No, <laughs> salty salty girl brand. Quick, name every brand of salt. <laughs> every brand of salt. <laughs> uh, kosher. Okay. Hawaiian. Not a brand. I know. Right. Okay. Uh, Pe- Moroccan. Pepper salt. Yeah, Moroccan. We're just naming types of salt, not brands. I know. Of salt. I know. You name right. name a brand of salt. Well, I think you'd named the only brand of salt anybody could ever actually okay. come up with. All right. Anyways, so what they've done, it's a, it's a concert venue. Right now, the venue, right now they're only doing the outdoor shows. It's called Outside the Shed. And on on one side of you is the Chicago They missed River. a pretty good opportunity to call it Behind the Shed, did they not? I get, uh, Yeah, I guess they did. I mean, behind the Shed's probably taken by the um, the Salty Girl brand. <laughs> salty Girl Behind the Shed don't nope that didn't nope okay (laughs) then at some point i don't know if it's this winter or next year the concert venue is going to be inside the old salt shed too and i just think i mean uh, it's just an excuse to talk about this this really cool iconic sort of thing that you'd see all the time on the train uh this old Chicago thing, they found a way to like breathe interesting new life into. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah, it's a neat thing. And so uh, at some point, maybe these field notes will. I don't know. Somebody well, these field notes. And... I don't think anyone's ever given me anything just for going to a show. That's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, field notes. You can send us some notebooks. Have you ever seen Willie Nelson live? Uh, I saw Willie Nelson live in about something around about 1997, 98 at the uh, Willie Nelson 4th of July picnic in Lukenbach, Texas with my good buddy Mike. We ventured out there. Uh, Nobody got heat stroke that I'm aware of, at least in my party, which is always a threat out there. But your your car caught fire, right? Yeah, it, it might have. Uh, I think you're, it, it could have caught fire and cooled back down again in the time that we spent uh, on the lawn waiting for Willie Nelson to play through, throughout the course of the uh, the entire picnic. I'm, I'm so, uh, so, making reference to 
you you got it, I'm sure. But to the Robert Earl Keane story on the Robert Earl Keane album we used to listen to, he used to play. I think I've totally forgotten. I mean, I've forgotten that story. The story before he sings The Road Goes On Forever is he tells, so he says wow. that he was, I can't believe you've forgotten this, that he it's was so at long. Willie Nelson's first picnic, and he brought a girl there, and uh, it was a date, uh, it was their first date, and uh, somebody comes on the radio, uh, that comes on the intercom, the PA, and announces that some cars caught fire, and... Uh, There's a fire out in the parking lot, it's all coming back to me now. And, uh... The lucky winners are, and reads the license plates. Oh, yeah. Uh, reads his license plate, and he says, that's my car. And uh, um, and his date starts laughing, and he says, like, I don't know why you're laughing. Like, we don't have a ride home. And she goes, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I totally forgot that story, even though we I must listen to it 150 times. Yeah. Yeah. You drilled well, I me. do. <laughs> That's well, funny. Well, one of the one of Robert O'Keefe's album covers had a flaming car on it, I believe. So, um, yeah, I I I believe you're you're mentioning Willie Nelson because of the uh, the cover story on the New York Times magazine from this past week that you and I have both read. Yeah, is it by Jody? I would Rosen? recommend it. Do we know anything about Jody Rosen's? body of work that would be illuminating i don't jody rosen was a music writer for slate for a while and i want to say i'm gonna have to look this up that he wrote a book about he's like a he's a pop music writer he writes pop. he's he's what did they call him popists not rockists poptimists you know this whole (laughs) rockist versus i forget the term it was like a thing 20 years ago where music critics uh, were being maligned as rockist for being too focused on rock and not enough on, um, not enough on pop music. Anyway, he he is, he's always very interesting and always has an um, like a, a interesting view on pop music as well as you know the stuff that um, music critics maybe tend to focus on, the like you know the less popular but. To, to maybe to me more interesting he he's good at not falling into that trap he wrote a book that i didn't read but i've always wanted to uh on uh, the white christmas i guess maybe it's just about that one song i thought the book was about all the jews that wrote the christmas songs but maybe it's <laughs> just one anyway he wrote this great uh well, no that's story. interesting i thought he did a good job of uh my favorite passage of the the article was Willie Nelson has a way of making everything he sings uh, from Amazing Grace and Danny Boy to Time After Time dot, 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 sound platonic and primordial. The only comparable figures, according to Wynton Marsalis, are Ray Charles and Louis Armstrong. Marsalis says, To be great in all the forms that Willie is great in, it's extremely rare. He has whatever that spiritual thing is, that thing you can't describe, it's like a shamanistic type of insight into the nature of all things. From that place of understanding, he can play anything he wants to play that comes out of the American tradition. I thought that was a very, very well-crafted description of of what Willie Nelson has managed to do in his career. 
which is often more interesting, I think, sometimes than his personality. He's not inherently a terribly interesting individual person. And I think uh, the, I, what I liked about that article was like it doesn't, it really doesn't fall into that um, music profile sort of thing, which is like about the character or even, you know, not too much about the l- lyrics, right? It's it's focusing on him as a, I think like as a hard worker, right? And yeah. not sort of trying to, eh, the music profiles get weird when you start trying to turn the person into a poet, even though maybe they are. Um, or if you just like, lean bit. too much, he does, he does a little bit of the lyrics, but if you yeah. lean too much on that, it's weird. And I think that, uh, this article was good and it's sort of the thing that I, that I like about this writer is that, uh, he is able to talk about the value of like, uh, just the singing, just showing it without, without yeah. it mattering if they're a songwriter as well. And so, uh, Willie Nelson is, but he's also... Uh, like a lot of his hits are not songs that he wrote and so it's to me I I don't understand how you make that um, interesting in a story but uh, it does in this story and I think generally does and I mean sort of the opposite of that (laughs) the other detail that really stayed with me um, he pushes the theme that Willie is just always moving forward just always wants to be touring he's 89 years old and he just wants to get out on the road and you know the pandemic was driving him crazy and and he spent doesn't spend much time in the recording studio and the detail that his band and crew will stay in a hotel but he always sleeps on his tour bus which is called the honeysuckle rose and even (laughs) there have been times even parked in the driveway of his own mansion he has chosen rather than to sleep in his own bed to sleep on the tour bus uh, kind of said it all to me about <laughs> willie nelson that's like all you really need to know what isn't the next part of that i mean i loved this story and i also love that the story wasn't about him um just like it, it wasn't too leaning too heavily on like the smoking weed all the time sort of thing but it does did seem to me that there's a good chance that the times that um, he chose to sleep in his tour bus instead of his mansion, uh, <laughs> he, it may have been less of a choice than the article suggests. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. He's got according to Willie, you got everything you need in there: good food, two bathrooms. Yep, all things bus. in the mansion as well. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I've been listening to, uh, moving on to other iconic white males, um, just what I think everybody tunes in to this podcast for. We almost um, called the show Iconic White Males, but it's taken I've been by every other to, podcast. Um, I, I listen to a podcast regularly called The History of Literature, which I've mentioned before, and one guest on that show was the host... His first name's Mark. I'm not going to remember his last name right now. Of a podcast dedicated to Ernest Hemingway entirely called the called One True Podcast, which is a play on Hemingway's idea that you, when you sit down to write, just write one true sentence and go from there. Um, 
And it sounds on its face like, my God, why would you want to listen to a podcast only about Ernest Hemingway? And that may be true, <laughs> but I have found myself drawn into this this world that the host has created and, you know, entered into. It's a world that people have been creating and recreating for a long time. But it it, it is exactly what it says it is. Uh it's a podcast with many episodes only about Ernest Hemingway. And, you know, I mean, I think thinking about someone like Willie Nelson and thinking about someone like Ernest Hemingway and, you know, leading, like, it leads you to inevitable questions of, like, why why am I thinking about these people? Um, but I think, I mean, they share certain characteristics that when analyzed kind of bear fruit like people who can't sit still people who are ridiculously productive and who you know take various left turns and right turns in their creative careers who you know live long enough to leave personal wreckage behind them uh alongside whatever triumphs um but i'm you know i i haven't had long to process the willie story but um, as I think about it in light of this podcast that I'm really into, um, it uh, it just I don't know it it, it it this hero worship ideas comes comes to the fore. I think in Hemingway's case, you know, the the host um, he's an academic and he does a a fine job of parsing out sort of a, a very specific topic. I mean, there's a couple of episode types. Some deal with a specific topic. So the one I was listening to today is about the 1934 or 35 hurricane that hit Key West. That that 250 odd uh, veterans of the First World War ended up perishing in. Um, they were at a work camp after having been shipped down from Washington D.C. where they were protesting their living conditions. Well, that incensed Hemingway, and he wrote a an opinion piece about, you know, their horrible treatment and the tragedy of their deaths in this hurricane. So it's an hour about that. So, you know, ostensibly it's about Hemingway, uh, but it's really kind of using him as a, using his life or his works as a, a platform to, to kind of like deep dive into these topics. Um, that sounds that sounds fantastic, and I see that there's an episode by Billy Collins with Billy Collins, and I'd so like, that's okay. Yeah. That's the other yeah. That's the other track is he invites writers and scholars and lots of like the the author of the Longmire series, which I've never read. I watched the first episode of the TV show, but he came on and and those those folks pick their favorite Hemingway sentence that kind of like embodies the idea of one true sentence. It's a little, it's a little contrived, but it, it just turns out, you know, it turns into interesting creative conversations. Uh, the Billy Collins episode was very Billy Collinsy, which was really nice, you know? Yeah. Um, I would listen to him <laughs> talk about anything. Yeah, it was yeah. great. It was, it was a great episode. Well worth a listen. Well, um, I'll check that out. It's, it's, you know, 
<laughs> I just think about I think about George Saunders and the you know the creative work uh, of the summer and I think about Marlon James and his podcast and just the continuum of of creative conversation both you know in books and and podcasts and I I don't know I just love being I love being surrounded by these conversations you know the history of literature podcast is an episode on the printing press that Virginia Woolf and Leonard Woolf started by hand in their own living room, like literally cranking out printed pages. I mean, just 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 surrounding surrounding myself with all this energy is something I'm enjoying so much these days. And I think you know, honestly, it's my my stationary enthusiasm has waned as my enthusiasm for reading and listening and writing has uh has ramped up in the you know the ever-shifting equilibrium of what what one does with one's time and attention in the course of a given day i'll tell you taking a walk and listening to billy collins and some other folks talk about a single it's like a single sentence right they they focus i mean that's the, kind of the sentence. jumping off that's yeah like the jumping off point I could do that yeah. for sure. Since you um, dinged us for just talking about a bunch of white guys, uh, <laughs> that that reminds. I, I want to recommend the last three books I read. The last four books I read are all from the the Booker Prize long list. I talked about the trees um, by Percival Everett. I think on the last episode or maybe the episode mm-hmm. before that. But the the most recent three, all fairly short books, uh, and I would recommend all of them they're great like there's like a reason that they're on the booker long list i think but i also think i got pretty lucky small things like these by uh claire keegan is very short O william by elizabeth strout is great and it's the third in a series but it doesn't matter i didn't even know that until i was halfway through the book um and then night crawling by layla motley is very good and the next one that was going to be on my list was Booth by Karen Joy Fowler, um, a longer book. So I was already a little, I was like on this, I was on a roll of reading these short books. So I was already a little concerned. And then the the review by a critic I liked, Molly Young, uh, was not very positive at all. So I don't know if I'm going to do that one next, but I did write down in my notebook, in I think orange or red ink, this quote mm. from the review that I really liked. There's nothing wrong with chronicling what people do and how they feel. This is the terrain of novels. And that's all I wrote down. But I think it's followed by but. And the rest of the review is but. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. It's just since you were. But enough with the details already. <laughs> yeah. Um, since, since you know, we, we are, uh, you know, just talking about these, all these white guys, as you said. Uh, <laughs> to add to the reading list of, of non-males uh, i finished uh nicole krauss's book a history of love which was from the mid-2000s but totally passed me by i'll tell you what man that book was up there with some of the best stuff i've read really fantastic um i mean pale fire nabokovian levels of quality and and just well wait energy. what is it 
Hellfire in, and that it's like, um, like that's like refers to some fictional, like it acts like some fictional thing is non-fictional or there's some there's text. a there's a okay the first narrator is a sold <laughs> <laughs> okay let me just say this for some part of the book I thought there was a book within a book within a book it turned out there was only a book within a book but that gives you some idea of why pale fire was my reference yeah, point got it. I mean, it, it has Adam Webb written all over it, but it was superb. Great. I'm, I'm um, glad we could get a white guy in there. <laughs> Let's do this again, Adam. How about next week? Sounds great. Uh, we will be talking about a single John Cheever sentence. <laughs> uh, check us out on the internet at takenote.space. You can find us on Twitter at Take note, pod. And of course, if you would like to find it in your heart to support the show financially, that's something we would greatly appreciate while ensuring you that there will be very little of material uh, compensation in return, just the satisfaction of keeping this little ship afloat on the great sea of podcasting. And that's over at patreon.com slash take note in the meantime take care